Welcome to Radio Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension, within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie. Welcome to Radio Free Murktown number 69. This will be a nice episode. Uh, I am your host, as always, Lloyd, a.k.a. Jess Bell, on uh, the website of generally Augur everywhere else. Um, and I have just one guest with me today. And why don't you go and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Ellie. I've been playing RPGs for the better part of three decades now. Um, I'm a member of the EU website, and I play with Lloyd on Roll20. Killer. Okay, so we got a bevy of uh, topics, uh, some of which is just going to be me spewing out some info. Uh, although, Ellie, feel free to uh, feed, do any feedback you feel is important, necessary, or uh, desirable. Um, so the first and foremost uh, is... Uh, we're going to plug Yukon. Uh, so that is uh, held at uh, warhorn.net. Yukon's um, going to cover a bunch, what is it, uh, three days, a Friday through Saturday in November. And it is basically an online convention, uh, which will have a bunch of games. Ellie, why don't you go ahead and tell them about yours while I bring up the specifics of everything that's available. Sure. I'm running a game titled Keep on Rifting in the Free World. Uh, it's it's set around a concert in a part of New Laszlo. Um, without giving too much away, uh, the theme or the sort of concept I have in mind is kind of Rifts meets Scooby-Doo. <laughs> uh, it's a one-shot, so there's going to be some trim here and there where I'm just not going to be able to include everything I might want to. But I'm really excited, really looking forward to running uh, a kind of a musical concert in the world of Rifts. Fantastic. And that is going to be early on in the con. Uh, that'll be Friday from noon to four. Uh, and that's, or I'm sorry, uh, that'll be Friday the 12th uh, from four to eight. And uh, that's, I think, in CST, uh, you know, Central Standard Time. Um, but yeah, so there's six player slots available for folks. So if you guys want to sign up, that's widely available. I think there's only one slot that's been taken. This, you the Yukon's been uh, kind of on the download, fairly quiet uh, as we've been putting it together. Uh, so Ellie's got that running. That's a that's a very unique take on the whole genre of riffs, frankly. Uh, so that'll be an interesting how a kitchen sink works in that kind of uh, you know in that kind of uh, idea or concept of a game. Well, I mean, the idea of dog boys and Scooby Doo just go together, right? <laughs> very true. Um, so before hers on uh, Friday, I'll be running uh, Dead Rain. Get to Jachapa on uh, on Friday from noon to four. So kind of in the afternoon. So expect uh, and it's Dead Rain, but I will be disregarding the armor rating rule. So the zombies will be easier to kill, which means there'll probably be more of them. Just FYI. Um, however, uh, yeah, since it's in the afternoon, not at night, expect a more casual uh, atmosphere to that one. Uh, there's no players signed up yet. There's eight uh, player slots available, so feel free to jump into that. These are all doing, happening on Roll20 so far, by the way. Um, also on Friday is a Savage Rifts uh, introductory one-shot hosted by uh, John slash AKA Venatus Vinko uh, from savagerifts.com. 
and uh, he'll be running folks through uh, uh, an adventure, a one-shot adventure in Savage Rifts from 7 to 11 that night. So that should be pretty cool. Um, and the last thing, uh, of course, uh, is I will jump in at the end of the night from 8 p.m. to midnight uh, to run a Beyond the Supernatural one-shot uh, entitled God Save the Queen. And this is uh, premised in or based in the Victorian era setting uh, to kind of showcase some of the fun of uh, that kind of time period setting, plus the actual the game and the mechanics of the game for Beyond the Supernatural. Uh, so should be fun. The ghost, the ghost of Guy Fox may or may not truly be involved. Uh, on Saturday, uh, Nikki will be hosting a, a a period of play, like two hours uh, for Gartic Phone, which is kind of a phone app. It's free. Uh, it's into, it's just a social party game. Um, pretty hugely popular by on with streamers and stuff like that. It's like Pictionary, but online using your phone. Um, that's, I think that's how she explained it to me. Um, I will be running another game at uh, 4 to 8 p.m. that Saturday, and that is Rifts the Locust. Uh, it's uh, Rifts on an alien world, and I'm being a little derivative in the game, but everyone, I think, will enjoy it, um, and I will say no more. <laughs> uh, Pre-gens are provided for all these things, so you don't have to have a character of your own. There's no... Uh, investment of effort, just show up and have a good time, and there's no cost at all to take part in any of these, of course. Um, Saturday is going to be kind of a weird one because, like, my wife has the uh, Gartic phone game, which is just like a social party game. Uh, and Justin Lyon, who's the sole game master over at shadowsunlimited.com, uh, he will be hosting uh, stand-up sets uh, where he will entertain you with his wit and humor uh, in a stand-up venue, but online. So using uh, Discord. It's just on Discord. So show up and and uh, heckle him. <laughs> uh, after after um, at from eight to midnight on Saturday. So capping off the end of midnight, I will be running a another riffs game because who can't get enough of riffs? And this will be Warren's Death Race. Uh, so something very much. A, much different kind of take on on riffs, kind of like Ellie's in that it's kind of out there. But this will be very much a death race, uh, player versus player and player versus the NPCs. So there will be both, and one team wins, and four teams enter up to mm, – I'm, st I'm still figuring out whether or not to allow for ten players or just keep it at eight. I'll probably keep it at eight and go back and change that. But currently it says ten players, uh, just because things get a little clunky after eight players. Um, on Sunday, we just have a trio of events and that'll wrap up, um, the Yukon. And that is, uh, our good friend Casca from Roll20, uh, will be doing a Palladium Fantasy one shot, uh, from noon to four. And don't know much more about that. Otherwise I'd tell you, uh, Justin Lyon will be running a Shadowrun game from four to 8 PM. Uh, and likewise, don't know much more. Although I do know I'm supplying all the maps for that, so it should at least look really nice. Um, and then I'll be running a, a one-shot Heroes Unlimited Galactic game um, entitled Escape. And uh, well, we'll see how that goes. But that'll be from 8 to midnight, and that will end the con. Uh, new events may be added uh, if uh, folks decide to join in. And 
uh, pitch in their time and effort and to showcase their skills and the cool games they want to play. And this is not exclusive to Palladium. If you want to do something different, feel free to hop in and show up. Um, just let me know so I can kind of get you scheduled and on the agenda. Um, any questions from you about that, Ellie? Uh, you've been, you know, I've been working pretty well on the, on some of this. No, but I, I'm actually really excited for the Heroes Unlimited and the Rifts games. I'm also looking forward to, don't get me wrong, uh, the Fantasy and BTS games, but I'm especially looking forward to the Death Race and the uh, Galactic Heroes game. That sounds really exciting. Awesome. Well, hopefully I will not disappoint. Uh, so we have a number of topics other than that. Um, namely, the 70, and the next one here, is the 70 supporter milestone. Uh, so we have over 70 supporters now. Uh, these things do fluctuate. Uh, but as we've hit this milestone, and we had a previous 70 supporter milestone, but you know, every now and then it, it like dips back down, and you got to incentivize people to become supporters so they can get the cool benefits. And this one was, I will run another Roll20 campaign. So that's a milestone achievement was, um, was met. And so I think we have like 71 or 72 supporters now. Uh, one of our newer, I guess, I guess new, uh, he played for a couple of years way back in the early 2000s. Uh, and then he had a lot of life issues and problems come up, but he's found his way back to the community. Uh, he supported, uh, sponsored five different players in addition to himself. So huge kudos and thanks to TJ. Um, and um, that's what put us well over um, our supporter requirement for the achievement. Uh, so we'll be running a fifth World 20 game. I am going way outside of my comfort zone here. Um, and I'm trying on a new system entirely. Uh, it's a pretty simple system from what I'm gathering uh, called the Age System, the um, Adventure Gaming Engine. And um, it's from Green Ronin Publishing. Uh, it's pretty simple. It has a lot of the same features as D20 and more modern systems, not like Palladium, which is kind of clunky and old, but has its own charms. Um, this is much simpler. Like I took six pre-gen characters from uh, the quick start and turned them into Roll20 characters. And it took me two hours to do, do all of them. And that includes like token creation and everything. So it's a very simple, clean, uh, kind of a trimmed down uh, system. So I think it should run well, but the game will be, uh, the setting will be, the Expanse, uh, based on the hard science fiction uh, setting, which Ellie has some comments on, I'm sure. So it's funny, the last time we talked about this, I was like, well, because it doesn't have magic, I'm sort of a hard no. But the truth is, I really like The Expanse. So this is one of those things where after I told you this, I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know, I could play a pilot. I could play a Martian Marine. I could play all these other things. Maybe my reluctance is dissolving, <laughs> I have to admit. <laughs> um, and the fact is, like, I'm always interested in new systems. Like, I really like, I'm not, I'm not flighty exactly, but I'm always kind of, I like getting my teeth into new RPG systems, and I've never played AGE, so I'm kind of interested in that, too. Oh, sister, you couldn't be further from my opposite. I am so reluctant to take on new systems. I am such a coward. Uh, but this one seemed a like I took a look at Savage Rips, like a really hard look. I made a character because this is kind of a litmus test, right? How hard is it to make a character? Because Palladium, it's like, man, I know it so well that I can whip out a character in about an hour and a half. Like, that's how good I am at that. I'm very proficient. 
which I mean, that is probably shocking to a D20 player or somebody from 5e, <laughs> but I can get it done in about an hour and a half. I tried Savage Ribs. It took me four hours just to make the just to get all the pros and cons, the perks and everything, everything else kind of lined up. And he was a really cool Mars character for Savage Ribs, but I mean, like really cool. And I think, and I, yeah, I think he would have been a great fun to play. But man, this character creation, and, and it's all on you as a, uh, in character creation and stuff drifts. It's like, because there's no randomness. You pick everything. And it's all point by, basically. And it's um, it's really customizable. And it's all very balanced because it's point by. So it's just really cool. Um, but man, is it methodical. And I did not care as much for the system. Although I didn't, I don't think I, I probably didn't give it an honest shake. Um, like an execution and gameplay. I thought that was a little clunky, but it may have just been the GMs at the time. Um, so maybe I will actually sit in on that Savage Rips one shot uh, to get a better taste of it myself. But I'm really reluctant to go into new systems. But Age was so simple and clean looking. Um, yeah, I'm a little less reluctant to GM it. So I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and FYI, my wife insists that if, she, that if the game goes forward, she's definitely playing a Martian. Oh, yeah. Martians are the coolest. Like, no doubt. <laughs> uh, will the real Martian please stand up? Um, so um, so that's, the, um, that's the 70 supporter milestone uh, result. Uh, I'll be hosting that. I'm, I'm not actually decided on whether it'll be the first Friday of each month, although that's what I have written. And at the same time, 7 p.m. I'm not sure if I, I might end up trying to see if I can put it in at a, at a different hour like noon Fridays or Saturdays, because they're all kind of mental to my schedule. But there's something I've noticed, and that is uh, we never get any of our players from overseas to play. We can't get them to play at 7 o'clock because it's like, you know, it's O-Dark 30 where they're at by that time. It's like, I don't know. I, I like I like playing with you guys, but it's 3 o'clock in the morning <laughs> when you start. So it's like, yeah, I get it, you know. Um, so I might see if, uh, that's some, if, folks, if there's enough folks amenable to trying that on and if folks if the existing player base for our world 20 games is okay with a noon game or something i might give that a shot too uh, I, I still have to test the waters but I, I don't like excluding people uh just based on some stupid time zone um so yeah i, I want to look into that um so uh and which brings us into uh like the next kind of topic and this is a more ranty rambly podcast episode if you haven't figured that out yet listener uh, and that is what does eu need right now uh, i know uh from the gripes that have been going on uh, bubbling under the surface for a little while that um the roughnecks and the spook squad are, have both been operating with stand-in gms for months so they need gms so if you're out there and you're listening and you're a pretty good writer and you're a, a, a capable well if you're a pretty good writer and or a capable GM, consider giving play-by-post a shot so far as GMs are concerned. And or if you're a, a, a long-standing player who's never GMed or something, consider pitching your hat into the ring because um, those two groups are in desperate need, and they're long-standing groups. I think the Roughnecks have been around at least 10 years, and the Spook Squad has been around 15, I think, since near the beginning of the website. So these are long-standing groups with some very, very uh, experienced characters. So 
high-end, uh, high, you know, high-power kind of campaigns and stuff. Although I don't think they're tackling gods or anything like that yet. Um, so those are some of the things EU needs, uh, in addition to always a constant new influx of uh, players and new GMs. We're in desperate need of GMs, though. We, I think, through my role, my Roll Twenty advocacy, and uh, you know, are out there recruiting through Roll Twenty and Discord. We've gotten a fair amount of players, and there's a nice steady trickle of new players coming in. But what we need is GMs, and that's always a tall order because folks often don't know that much and about things. Um, and this kind of dovetails with one of our other topics, which I'm going to skip over the middle, middle one and go to this one. And me and Ellie can talk about this. Uh, but some, what are the, some of the pros and cons of virtual tabletop versus play-by-posts and or other platforms? Um, so, Ellie, uh, I'm sure you've done tabletop before at, at nauseum. I mean, you've been, by the sounds of it, you've been playing role-playing games as long as I have. And you've done VTT, I know. <laughs> uh, so uh, what, what are the, some of the, well, have you, do you have any experience with play-by-posts? don't really have much experience with play by post. I've done some mushes and stuff like that when I was much younger. Um, but like I have, I've, I write semi-professionally, right? I don't, I haven't made any money yet doing it. So I kind of understand like from an outsider's perspective, play by post GMing looks like it would have a really high bar for writing since, um, you know, tabletop, whether it be virtual or otherwise, a lot of what you're doing is you're imp- improving, right? So like, and every DM's a little different, I think, how they handle this. But like, I will prep out box text. So I know before a game happens, what little bullets that I'll be saying if the players talk to certain NPCs or whatever, engage in certain content, etc. right? Click on the right button. Within play, where in play by post, it seems like instead of getting to describe some of these things, like, you know, in a tabletop game, I can have an image on my desktop open and I can describe that image freeform. I mean, that's, you know, that's a little risky because I can make it, I could do a bad job, <laughs> but um, that's something I could get away with in a tabletop game. Whereas in a play by post game, I would either have to post the image directly or I'd have to describe it or whatever. Like I would have a little bit more work involved in every session. That's at least, that's my perspective. Okay. Let me, uh, let me give you some feedback on that. So yeah, you're dealing primarily with text. You can of course upload it and use images because it's on a, it's on a bulletin board slash form based website, however you want to call it. It's PHP bulletin board. Um, so yeah, you can you can post images, uh, which you know, that can save some words. Uh, but you can also describe, and oftentimes I think, and more often than not, definitely uh, you're using descriptive text versus imagery. Um, so that's that is that is definitely true. Um, the one of the bigger things uh, is yeah, it is not improv. That is totally a tabletop or virtual tabletop. So that is one thing that virtual tabletop and tabletop have totally in common. It is an exercise in theatrical improv. Uh, Even if you're not, even if you're not doing the voice or anything like that, uh, you will uh, have to improv and kind of figure out what you're going to do on the fly. Uh, Whereas with play by post, uh, when the GM posts, the timer starts basically and you have a week collect your thoughts, converse with other characters or other players offline, you know, uh, 
and then formulate what you you want your character to do. And then sit down for half an hour or so and write out what you want to do, what you want that character to do, given the situation, given the information that was presented to you by your GM. So it's much slower paced and allows you to do a lot more, um, a lot more introspection, but in a novel type format. Like you're, you're familiar with writing. Uh, so you're familiar with that third person omniscient uh, author, uh, that voice where you read the character's thoughts and you hear what they say and you see his actions described and you do that in play by post. A lot of that's just inferred if you're in tabletop and you never get the third person omniscient perspective. You always have the immediacy of the player to player, character to character kind of uh, situation. Um, does that help refine things a little bit? Yeah, it's like chain storytelling. Yeah, yeah, very and good. This is- and this is something, you know, it's like a slower mush, it sounds like. Super, right? yeah, it is. Uh, we used to do mushes back in the 90s. Uh, that's dating you big time. Same uh, here. <laughs> yeah. uh, I did mine at the university in the computer lab after hours when I should have been doing homework. Um, and, yeah, it's really fast-paced. It's basically like play-by-post, but live, or as close to live as you can get through a text-based, you know, it's, it's almost like what Discord games are now but you would have these interactive environments and there'd be like programming behind it, scripting behind it. that would like feed you automatic results. So it's kind of a blend of like a, a chat game and like an old, one of them old Sierra games. Um, that's what a mush was. And so you get, or usually anyway, uh, or mucks or however different iterations of that. Um, but with the play by post, it's very much, uh, I like that term you use chain storytelling. Um, whenever I'm kind of trying to describe it to a, a flat scan, a normie, somebody who has no conception of this shit, I'm always like, oh, what, what, oh, what is this you you have going? And it's like, oh, um, it's a collaborative storytelling project with some mechanics. Ups and robbers, but with rules. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is, this is how I kind of describe it. Um, so... I would have to say one of the pros of play by post versus virtual tabletop, just due to the nature of the mediums being different, right? And how you interact with your fellow characters uh, and the GM. Um, I'd actually say the relationship with the GM is almost identical to that in a virtual tabletop or a live game um, or other form of live game, rather. Um, it's no real different. He's still holding up a game shield, um, right? You know, you don't see what his roles are ever in play by post. And uh, so everything's behind the screen as far as that's concerned. And so you don't know if he's actually like taking into account all the mechanics that you've used or anything like that. One would assume he's generally going to be. And uh, but you never know. He could just be being dramatic and saving your character's ass by being dramatic instead of paying attention to the dice roll or vice versa. And some people hate to hear this because they think the dice should be the grand arbiters of all things. And that's a minority opinion among GMs, let me just tell you. Um, so there's um, there's that aspect. There's the uh, the GM relationship. That's kind of the same. Um, and then there's the player-to-player player aspect that's different. And I think the upside uh, to play-by-post is that you can have much more meaningful interactions. Excuse me. Much more meaningful interactions on uh, in play-by-post with your fellow characters than you can uh, in a live game. Uh, let me yeah, check Craig momentarily. 
And I would also think that um, your character, like you would be able to more deeply express your character because a lot of your decisions aren't spur of the moment. Like it can be hard um, to fully realize another person's identity and you know personality etc when you're imp improvising that person kind of on the spot yeah and so in play by post i would imagine that you get to do that a way more authentically some of the yeah. best and to add on that was one, one of the best some of the best tt rpgs i've been in have involved an element of play by post where a lot of times this actually dovetails into our next discussion where downtime and stuff is handled over email. And so, you know, like a lot of times, like as a, as a dungeon master, I adopted a convention when I ran a game that involved a lot of email correspondences of always addressing the players in the NPC's voice and then separately as a DM to make sure that it was really clear who was speaking. But yeah, I think that has, that's a certain element of play by post that now granted for the most part, when I would do that kind of email interaction in my games, I would not be rolling dice with a very limited number of exceptions. My sort of yeah. official rule was if we're rolling dice, we're doing it at the table. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly correct. Um, that's a, that's a good way of looking at a, at an interlude too, which, uh, aid number one, uh, like, yeah, like you said, these do dovetail quite nicely. Um, so with virtual tabletop, it's like, it's your, it's immediate. It's right there. And this is, I think for a lot of the grognards who, um, I mean, some of some folks who don't like Roll20 or other virtual tabletops are just Luddites. And, you know, God love them. They are the ones trying to really keep that whole tabletop experience alive. And, hey, you know, there's a lot of value there. So more power to them. Um, and, you know, to each his own on the preferences, right? Uh, so there's that. Um, but there's also this there's kind of trade-off that you get in a live, in a live game versus a play-by-post game. And I think some of the folks who don't like virtual tabletop, but who do play play-by-post is that depth of role play and that thought you get to put into it. And it's like the nice, steady, slow drip of role play you get throughout the week. Because especially if you play more than one character or GM more than one game, you are getting a steady trickle of feedback from your player characters uh, from your fellow player characters or from, you know, the, uh, the characters that you are GMing, um, whichever, whichever dynamic is appropriate. And so you get that constant steady drip, whereas with virtual tabletop, and I see this when I'm trying to encourage people to like, discuss what they're going to do next as a group in a virtual tabletop game. It's often, no, we just show up here for three to four hours a week or a month. And that's it. Uh, that, you know, when you're not in the tabletop group, there's not a lot otherwise happening in that campaign. So I kind of like the whole interlude thing. And <laughs> uh, this kind of dovetails into the next question, which is how can we kind of get this uh, worked in to the Roll20? Um, I will say uh, these interludes, that's what it's called in the age system. Uh, they actually specify specific encounter types or scenes, I think it is. Um, and interludes. So they think of it in terms of the theatrical play. You have acts, you have scenes, and you have interludes. So you have an act, which is an adventure, basically. And then you have scenes, which are on a map, in combat, or some sort of scene, right? It could be a social scene with NPCs. You're trying to dig information out of them. Whatever. It could be investigatory. 
or it can be conflict of whatever nature, right? And then you have, of course, your interludes, which are between scenes and or acts, which is off-screen stuff. It's like, hey, we're live role-playing here, but there's no map necessary. We're talking about how we're going to go. What are we doing right now that we're not in a combat scene or a conflict scene or something like that? What are we doing? And then, of course, there's the larger scale interludes, I guess. And just going back to the expanse as an example, which would be like, oh, OK, well, it takes two weeks to transit from Mars to Jupiter. What are you doing? And you have that entire space as a huge interlude. Uh, and in Rifts, you'll get that from traveling from point A to point B. And sometimes there's a, which we've experienced with our Boss uh, Venture uh, campaign, there's interesting things that happen along the way. And that's part of the interludes. But I think the more important interludes are what you're kind of getting to, which is the, and what actually age kind of uh, specifies that Palladium, for example, really doesn't even talk about. And that is, what are you doing to kind of grow the character, achieve their goals? Are they going on little side quests? What are you guys doing in your downtime slash interludes between acts? And there's a lot there to be explored. And what are your thoughts on you incorporating that into World 20 and our use of Discord and stuff? So I have a couple of thoughts. Um, it's interesting. I, wish, I should have looked into the Fantasy AG system more because my only experience with this comes from two other systems. Uh, the RuneQuest system from like the 90s and the uh, Rogue Trader system, which is sort of used in the modern, one of the modern 40k offshoots. And what's really cool is that the Rogue Trader system sounds a lot like AGE, where essentially you have... Um, your storyteller, your GM, will give you a certain number of endeavors you can do between each major adventure. So maybe on a really long break, you get three endeavors that you can undertake. Um, sometimes, if you do certain endeavors, those require checks. You have to make the checks. If you fail the checks, maybe some bad consequence ensues. Or maybe like you just don't get whatever good thing you were hoping to get. Um, but I think what's really, what sounds really amazing about the AGE system is sort of a something I think you could uh, abstract into riffs and into a TTRPG system, which is, listen, um, for example, between sessions, you set up a, like a, I don't know, <laughs> like a page on Roll20 or a forum post on Roll20 where you're like, okay, every, you, you don't have to have activities. Like you could have yourself, like if you want to just do regular maintenance or whatever, that's perfectly fine. And maybe there's like some basic advantage you could recover from that. Like maybe if you're doing basic maintenance as a Rift's character, you heal up, you repair your armor, you, uh, you have an opportunity to like, I don't know, repair your equipment, right? And maybe you have to make some skill checks. Like if you have someone in your party who can just do that, like over enough time, you can abstract that they're going to succeed at fixing whatever it is, right? So you really only need one check. And the question is like, does it take them three endeavors? Like, do they succeed over in the time you allotted? Or is it going to take them more time or something like that? And it would be a system, I think, I'm a little rambly, sorry, but it's a system I think you'd have to kind of work out. But I think you could do that. I think you could say, like, officially, you can do one or two or three or whatever things, and you would kind of want to define them as discrete things. Like, have a default. Like, your character sleeps, eats, cleans up the space. And maybe having someone do that gives everyone else an advantage, right? But I think you could sort of work that out. 
Um, and it can be like exactly what you're talking about. Like some players are pursuing a goal. Like some characters are looking for the person that killed their master, right? Um, so they're online and they're looking through the computer network and they're not quite succeeding. But as a GM, you're like putting a little tick in a box and you're like, all right, this player has made so much effort towards achieving this personal goal. Um, that even harkens back to a previous episode, right? That shows you that that player is invested in that character enough that they're like kind of quote unquote wasting their free time to pursue a personal goal. Well, like as a storyteller, I would just make sure to reward that character, whether like in the EU system, whether it's with a Binny or like some concrete advantage, like, oh yeah, like once you, once you reach this little story event, your character will be centered, right? It'll be about you. And if you achieve your little objective that you've been sort of working on through your downtime, you're super going to get like a cybernetic upgrade or a new spell or a magic item or whatever, right? A, a you know, a MacGuffin. That's how I would do it. That's, that's like my just like, boop, throwing the spaghetti at the wall thoughts. <laughs> I actually like that. Uh, abstracting it away uh, kind of absolves folks of the need to kind of like track the nitty gritty like pedantic crap like oh how much mdc plating do you have with you whatever uh you know if you're like hey this is what i'm going to do with my the downtime that six hour travel back to laszlo it's like okay and you know it's just six hours maybe that's one period so you can't do a whole lot but this is the stuff you can do uh i will say uh the um so i like that uh i think that might be useful uh putting forward as a proposal to, uh, as, as a concept idea for other GMs on EU to utilize. Because uh, play-by-post-wise on EU, you know, we have our strict site-wide, like, rules. The canon, either defined or clarified, uh, and with a little bit of additional stuff or small changes to how, you know, small house rules. Like, we changed the way perception is done because our way just works way better Um and otherwise, you know, it's mostly canon. But boy, there's some nice stuff that you can do on the side as a GM, which doesn't violate, you know, site-wide policy. Stuff like this, like downtime stuff, that could be really useful. Maybe like, hey, here's what you're going to do on the side between adventures. And instead of having somewhat meaningless uh, forays into Merc Town to go shopping, you know, you could just kind of hand wave him a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah. So I think there's a there's a there's a lot a lot to potentially be worked out there, and I really like because it's really easy for uh, World Twenty, I think, and you could do this on uh, like whatever there. I guess it would be a discussion thread for each character for their interludes or what have you. Uh, or like or, a, or a thread for each interlude, right? Like each or yeah, or yeah. just a thread for each interlude. That'd probably be more efficient <laughs> uh, organizationally. Uh, and on Discord, we could do it uh, through a. Ugh, actually, I think the uh, Roll Twenty uh, discussion thread for interludes probably be better. That'd be better than anything on Discord. Um, so the, yeah, there's there's that, and that would also kind of encourage people to take a look at the Roll Twenty page, so they also see the character narratives, which is another way for them to gain little tiny advantages called bennies. Uh, which you saw the other night can potentially have much bigger than than minor advantages. Uh, it's like, oh, I can't climb. Now I can, just because Benny. <laughs> if I had I rolled like one he... more point on that fight or that shot, I would have killed that pharaoh in one hit, or two hits, rather. 
or kill yeah. the bad guy, Rudder. Yeah, uh, my wife was like, "Oh, sounds like TJ did a kill steal," <laughs> and I was just like, "Yep." <laughs> but uh, that's something, all. Oh, cool. no, something that I would point out about that kind of interlude system is it also back to a little bit of our previous discussion is that one of the differences I think between TTRPGs and play by post is that you get to center each character. It's like you sort of talked about third-person omniscient, but it's almost like as a player, instead of like listening to some other person's character go off for like 20 minutes in a game, as the player in a play-by-post, you're actually sort of close. It's your third-person close, right? In a way, you get to like explore your own persona and then these other people you know these other secondary characters to your narrative interject and interfere and some of them are your allies and some of them are like your frenemies or whatever and i think that what those interludes can do like one of the things we did on email is i sort of offered a, a very unofficial experience point bonus to my players if every week between games someone commented like Ask a question, answer a question, role play. I don't care. Just have a conversation. And if they did, I would often find that it would snowball quickly. And the nice part about that is it gives gives every player who's interested and wants this the opportunity to kind of dive into their character between the weeks. And that gives them a chance to like center themselves and all that sort of thing. I think it's really valuable. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really good. And yeah, I'm, you know, with my background in econ, I'm always looking at the incentives because that is what controls a lot of people's behavior. And it, not to sound like some Machiavellian puppet master over here, but I want my players involved and to have fun, and, but for things to also move um, to, for, for the actions that players take and their interactions with other players in the jams to be as efficient as possible. So there's this little impeding that or making it less, making it more like work and less like fun. Wow. I want to, I want to, maximize that that ideal experience and minimize the the drag uh so like having to go to a separate page ugh, that's just another you know barrier to entry and you're like nope gotta find an easier way gotta find an easier way um uh, on play by post that's really easy you just if you wanted to do an interludes thing you much like with roll 20 but it's a even a little bit more facile um you can just create a, t- a topic thread in the group forum and bam, everyone can go to there every time and same place. And that chain could be very, very, very long, uh, pretty quickly. Um, much like an adventure thread on EU or something like that. And they can get to be multiple pages pretty quick. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's some very useful food for thought though. Ellie. There's, there's um, a concept in design called affordance where you think about how a tool is used. So I think a lot of people approach Roll20, at least I approach Roll20 in the Discord, as a thing to join only for game night. And I'm often in Discord otherwise. So I think you really bring up like an important point. Like I use Discord to communicate with you guys outside of the game. So for me, even though Roll20 is completely like a viable communication medium i don't really treat it that way for me it's a ttrpg system and i think that's just an interesting like distinction i want to say something really funny i I noticed i I like the point you made about econ right like show me the incentives and i'll show you the outcomes if you encourage players what was that yep (laughs) yeah so if if you show if you well i'm quoting someone i think munger or something i think he's an economist but um if you encourage players to do that interlude, like activities, I think that it 
like I said earlier, it doesn't just show you like it doesn't just give your players a way to interact more deeply with your story, but it also shows you who's interested in doing that and kind of gives you a way to refine your game to the people who are participating. Because, you know, if someone doesn't want to do interlude type activities, like for me, right, like I'm sometimes I get really busy. And so talking over email about a D&D group is like the lowest priority task for me that week. But I will absolutely show up to that session. Right. Okay? So I think that's one of the things that intimidates me about play-by-post sometimes is it's this sort of feeling like, oh, it's like you said, it's also something you mentioned. It's like having another job, right? Like you don't necessarily want to inflict that on someone. And so it's kind of nice where you can be like, look, hey, you'll get a benefit if you do this. Maybe it's some mi- mi- minor benefit, right? A magic item or whatever, but you don't have to. You won't be penalized for it. Yeah, I would never want to make something like an interlude uh I would not want to incentivize it such as that it, it felt like uh, you're being taxed, you know, if you didn't. Then no, that's just no, because that's that's compulsion by another name. Uh, so and I'm not down for that. Uh, but I would like to create a positive incentive because and not only just because this is what I would want other player characters to do or other players rather to do, but also because I think this is what most players actually want. Um, maybe they're, maybe they don't, maybe they really do just want to show up, slay monsters and go home. I mean, those players exist. I know, but I think most of the ones that would play on play by post are much more involved, much more interested in a richer experience and any way that you can make that experience richer, especially if it, if it uh, revolves around like their character specifically, that they get to really explore their character or that the like an adventure ties to them, stuff like that. I think they really value that. Um, although they don't always show it because uh, people are people. But I remember um, that was the one thing. Like I didn't have the interludes tool in my in my kit when I was jamming on EU. It wasn't a part of my like conceptual uh, gear uh, for me to use, um, just because lack of exposure to it in other systems. And so I, I kind of I kind of like that now. Um, and yeah, it's been maybe a year or so that I've been using that to some degree or another. Uh, and I did have a lot of really good interaction and engagement with it, with the humble origins group for the three or four months that we did it actively on discord. Um, pretty good actually, not everybody, because as you say, uh, you know, some folks just hop onto discord occasionally. And so those care, those players didn't get as much out of it because, they're not going to engage in that way, um, which again, fine. Uh, but the, the but I think that would be much more. I think it has much greater potential through play by post because that's something that people tend to check daily. Because I mean, you don't necessarily do anything daily. Otherwise, play by post would be a real time sink. Um, but that you uh, check on because it's it's kind of like the Twitter junkies who will post something and look to see how many likes they have like every hour. You know. What play by post kind of encourages that same behavior a little bit, um, but there's ways to automate it. <laughs> so you get notifications uh, like on Twitter uh, when there's a new post to that thread that you're a party to. And so you have an adventure scene going on. And when you just see, hey, somebody's posted and you go look and it's like, oh, is that a jam post or is that another player post? And you get to read their content and you're like, oh, so that's what they're doing. And that spurs you uh, to, concede, to, to consider 
Do I need uh, does does my character need to do anything right now? Does Jezebel need to need to react? Does she need to uh, respond to the uh, to the player character? Does she need to kick down the door presented to her by the GM or open it or you know open it with a plasma burst? Or, you know how do how does the character does the character need to interact at this time? And even if not, you just had to read a post by somebody else, so you're involved in the in the in what's happening. So there's never any of that, like, and we, we've all experienced this at the tabletop with that one player who's there, but they're not, and they're kind of half involved. Maybe they're on their phone being incredibly rude, or they're eating pizza and talking to the guy next to them and not paying attention to what the GM and the fellow players are saying. You never get that with play-by-post because um, you have to actively go there. And if you don't read what other, and sometimes this happens, but if you don't read what previous players have stated, oof. Man, you're, how do you even how do you even act in a rational way in accordance with the scene? Right. This seems like the participation in play by post is a lot more active. Something to consider when you're um, if you're looking at an interlude system for Rule Twenty, and I guess for play by post. Although I think our discussion sort of reveals that this concern is less <laughs> relevant for play by post. But um, you might want to make sure that you have like a a trap door. Like for example. Um, we were talking about like maybe a player goes off, a character goes off and does something like starts a fight or whatever. Um, when I used to do my gaming, if someone did that via email, so like say in between sessions, some character, some yeah, some character was like, okay, I'm gonna go do something crazy, like start a fight. I would often be like, okay, you know, sort of step in as a DM and be like, all right, whistle in the play. This is fine, but we're gonna kind of freeze things for now because we're not we're we're now when you're in combat. Whereas in, P, whereas in play by post, I think that's very organic. Like interludes are almost like, it sounds like, just a scene to themselves, right? Just structured a little differently. Whereas in, whereas in Roll20, you have an additional complication. And that is, like, say I'm there one month, right? And I, my player does something. And during that interlude, I, my character engages in some interlude activity. But then that next month, I miss. Well, you have this sort of, there's a, there's a, pressure or tension, I guess you have to be aware of. And that is, well, what do you do if a player shows up and like participates in a bunch of interlude activities, but then never shows up to the session, which I don't know that that would be super likely, but it is something to be aware of. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I think with a uh, play by post, it's just not being done. I don't think there's any barriers to doing it. I think it's much like myself. I don't think any of the other GMs have considered you know, assuming that no one's doing this. Uh, I don't think any any of the GMs have really considered setting up like a formal interlude kind of thread or system or whatever. Most people, I think, just play it by in the same linear format as the adventure, but on a different thread or a different series of threads. That's how we kind of had it classically set up. So people would definitely split up and go do their own things, but it was often... Uh, menial things, not really super engaging or fulfilling, and we'd still be at the same kind of post rate. Uh, so it might take a long time in real time to get this kind of, uh, you know, side questy kind of stuff done. When you're like, do I want to really spend a month shopping? Ugh, you know? And so I, don't know, I think there might be some real value to uh, adopting the interlude system on play by post. Uh, maybe more formally and encourage it that way. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I think that's definitely something for discussion there. But I am definitely, after since this conversation has been so productive, I, I wrote myself a couple of notes while while, uh, while you're talking. 
yes, I did that. Um, but I am going to um, I'm going to add an interlude thread to every one of our Roll Twenty games and see see how that plays out and kind of figure a way around uh, trying to build a, an interlude uh, economy, if you will, into each of the games for the in between stuff and see how that goes. Sounds really interesting. I want to just it's not exactly pivot. It's related to something you keep saying about shopping. As a player, I loathe shopping so much. Like, I just hate it. Like, but as a DM, <laughs> if you're at a tabletop and you're shop- and the players are all shopping, I find it's like the easiest, lowest writing demand form right. of session you can engage in. Right? I know. It, it's, 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 it's kind of fun. You get to flex your, your storytelling muscle. You get to very easily and casually slip into some character, like the shopkeep, right? right? Or the or the northern gun salesman, or whatever the case may be. And it's so low hanging fruit, and it's so low pressure. I know, I know. I, I always loved GMing in Merktown, especially in like the Armed Bazaar or something, where it's just like, yeah, so go there and role play and. And then I would see also lots of groups who'd be like, no, we're just going to do this stuff out of character on a thread and use the availability and rarity guide and to hell with going into town. And I'm like, I get it. As a player, I get it. I really get it. As a GM, I'm like, damn, but there's some potential role-playing opportunities you're missing that are potentially fun and silly or just just fun. And also, you know, maybe I want to introduce an adventure lead at the Naruni you know, showroom or something, you know, or at Weapons of Wonder, I could I could put forward in front of you a potential quest, an interdimensional quest to get mystical shuriken from ancient Japan, and you have to go on a raid, and you know, whatever the case may be, right? Right. It's important to like, like, listen. Anywhere you go in my world, you're going to stumble upon pl- plot hooks, so you can go shopping if you want. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, but yeah, I know I get it. I get you, and and I'm the same way. I'm kind of as a player, I don't I don't really care about shopping. It doesn't drive me. But as a GM, it's odd in that it it's act. I actually kind of look forward to that because it, it boy you anytime you uh, you're jamming in a major storyline kind of arc or something like that, you feel like you're really stretching and trying to like maybe the failure to convey the story in a in an entertaining and compelling way. It's a real possibility. You never feel that when you're a shopkeep, you know, or, or the bartender at the at the local tavern. It never comes across like that. So it's so low pressure. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think that's something that I think that's one thing to be aware of with the idea of taking interludes and making them abstract is I think that's something like sort of related to the point I made earlier about characters going off and doing crazy things i think with interludes you want to make sure as a gm you have the freedom or the players want for them to like go deep with the interaction like so if someone wants to be like no 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 i want to go to the bazaar and i want to shake down whoever to get my grenades then like you i think it's good to be prepared to engage in that too yeah yeah and i will say the humble a couple of the humble origins players um and, and their characters. Uh, so John and Steve and Nikki, those three especially, did a, they really took advantage of uh, the downtime uh, kind of uh, adventuring that we had to offer. And uh, John literally shook down somebody for a debt that was out of the black market, collected on it, put him out of business, and altered the actual 
shopkeep landscape of the of the town. Uh, <laughs> so through downtime activity and uh, Steve's own uh, caseman, I guess, uh, like a black market caseman, uh, got uh, stole a car out from under uh, some like mm, thieves guild folks who were real super shady who were going through like a black market transaction in Murktown. It's black market, so you know it's real shady. Um, you know, and uh, they're they're going at this in a parking lot, and he slips in the driver's side door behind them, and it was fantastic. Ended up speeding away with the stolen car. You know, just an absurd scene. But the only the only I only he only needed the one skill check. You know, to sneak into the car while everyone was doing their shady shit right at the tail end of the car, and then to pilot it successfully without getting caught. Uh, Otherwise, I was like, yep, that'll be going to an event scene and <laughs> and then, oh, shit. Uh, but this has been a wonderful conversation. Uh, thanks for taking part in it, Ellie. Appreciate course, it. Thanks as for always. having me. Absolutely. And uh, probably a little bit over, uh, but that's okay. And uh, I will catch everybody next time on Radio Free Markdown number 70, which will be next month. And until then, have a great day. This has been Radio Free Murktown, a WMRK production. Contact us at RadioFreeMurktown at gmail.com and support Radio Free Murktown on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Visit us on the web at ExplorersUnlimited.com for more information. 